You can set yourself up for frustration in marriage if you don't fully give yourself to God because how are you gonna give yourself fully to your spouse who's imperfect if you don't give yourself fully to a God who is perfect? Welcome to Shelter Cove Online. We are so glad that you're joining us today for this sermon. We hope and pray that this message encourages you, that you learn something, that you enjoy it. But more than that, we just pray that God would move in your life, that he would reveal some more of himself to you today. If you would like to respond to this message in any way, you can contact us at sheltercovelife.com. Have an amazing rest of your day. So glad that you're here. We're wrapping up a three-week series, which I'm just so enjoying. It's titled All About the Heart. And really, um, on the surface, it's about money, it's about finances, it's about generosity. But when you go beneath the surface with every area of the Christian life, it's, it's always about the heart. Um, because it's not a money issue that we often have. It's, it's a heart issue. And week one was uh, a heart that is humble. Uh, until we understand that we need to have humble hearts before God, we will always struggle with generosity. And we talked about God's grace. We talked about the fact that everything we have comes from God and belongs to God. And when we don't understand that, when we don't embrace that, we will fall into the camp of entitlement and we will always struggle to give. We will always struggle with generosity. And so we are called to manage money, possessions, things on behalf of God. Why? Because they ultimately belong to him. So that was a heart that is humble. Last week, we talked about a heart that's honest. And we talked about the fact that there's nothing wrong with money. Money is neutral. Uh, it's, it's not good. It's not bad to have money. It's neutral. The problem comes when we love money, when we crave to be rich, because then money quickly becomes an idol. We quickly have idolatry. It becomes our identity. It becomes our source of security. So we talked last week about honestly in our own hearts, dealing with reality, do we love money or is there a lack of contentment in our lives? Now today we're talking about a heart that's generous. And I love this because one of the misconceptions that so many people have is that you have to be rich in order to be generous. In the passage that we're reading today, destroys that idea because generosity has nothing to do with your financial status. It's all about the heart. And I love that word generous. When you look it up in the Hebrew in the, the Old Testament language, it, it has this uh, understanding of overflowing. Uh, in the New Testament, it's, it's using your time, talents, and treasures for God and for others. And so put those two words together. It's a heart that's overflowing to bless God and to bless others. Now, Paul's gonna use this example to this church in Corinth of a group of believers in Macedonia, the Northern Greece, churches like Thessalonica, Philippi, Berea, uh, they were very poor and yet they were rich in their generosity. So let's do what we do often here. Let's stand as we honor the reading of God's word. We are a Bible teaching, Bible believing church. And my prayer is that you would hear from God today. <clears throat> Chapter eight, second Corinthians, Paul writes, we want you to know brothers 
about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord, and then by the will of God to us. Accordingly, we urge Titus that as he had started, he should, he should complete among you this act of grace. But as you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in all earnestness, and in our love for you, see that you excel in this act of grace also. I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor so that you by his poverty might become rich. Heavenly Father, God, would, would your word, would you speak to us today? God, that we would soften our hearts. God, that your word would not just be something we hear, that we would live it out, that you would change us from the inside out. God, I pray for your help. I pray that I would not interfere with what you want to accomplish today. God, would you speak through me with, with passion, with power, with clarity, with boldness. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Go ahead and grab a seat. Again, grab your message notes out. We are talking about four realities of a generous heart today, right out of this passage. And we're gonna jump right in, got a ton of content. Point one, if you're taking notes, is first of all, a generous heart, number one, begins with a full understanding of the grace of God. We'll always struggle to be generous if we don't have a full understanding of the grace of God. And this is what he says in these first several verses. He puts it this way. He says, we want you to know brothers about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. What, what's grace? It's undeserved favor. Again, this flies in the face of our culture. Our culture lives with this attitude, I deserve, I'm entitled. And as followers of Jesus Christ, we realize we are entitled and deserve absolutely nothing. In fact, if we got what we deserved, we would all go to hell. And yet we have a God that's so full of love, so full of grace that he gives us what we don't deserve. And what is that? It's forgiveness. It's the opportunity to be right with a holy God. See, God's so perfect, he cannot allow any sin into heaven. We, we constantly break God's standard. The only way for us to be right with God, the only way for us to experience eternity with God in heaven where there's no more pain and suffering is for us to have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And I'm not talking about just going to church. I'm not talking about just reading the Bible. I'm talking about where we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ, where we repent from our sin, when we give Jesus total control of our lives and we receive his grace, his forgiveness, his mercy, his love, and ultimately his joy and his peace. And I think the challenge is that 
we forget how much we need the grace of God. We forget that we are broken, messed up sinners in need of God's grace. And the challenge comes when we feel like we don't need the grace of God as much as the person sitting next to us. I was reminded about a week ago just how messed up, how much I need the grace of God in my life. Went to the gym, got a great workout in, feeling super pumped. Not only did I get a great workout in, I was able to pray with somebody at the gym. And so I was feeling spiritually on fire. I was feeling pumped up from a good workout, opened up my van door, almost ripped that bad boy right off. Put my, put my gym bag in there, you know, just feeling, you know, strong, shut the van door, bam. What I didn't realize is that my finger, my thumb was in the fan door. I shut the door all, all feeling, you know, just super amped from the workout and the door shut all the way. My thumb was stuck and I've got a bandaid on here because it's black and blue and gnarly and my daughter and wife have said, please put your thumb away, it's grossing me out. <laughs> and so I opened the door and it was excruciating pain. Like it was, a, it was a 10, on a scale of one to five, it was a 10. And I go back into the gym and I'm holding my thumb and go up to, to one of the trainers there and just smile and say, can I talk to you for a second? She's like, sure, what do you need? I'm like, I, I, I hurt my thumb, I slammed it in the car door. That was real embarrassing. And then it's, the pain starts getting worse. And I go over and they get me uh, ice, great, great team over there, give me ice. I'm laying on the ground in one of the, 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 the <laughs> in the fetal position, sucking my other thumb. And uh, they're like, hey, do you feel like you're gonna pass out or throw up? I'm like, yes. And she said, which one? Both. <laughs> it was awful, but then it was amazing because I could do nothing in and of myself to, to take care of myself, but just lay on the ground to make sure I didn't throw up or pass out. And so they start, they brought me another bag of ice, brought me a, a, a water, and it wasn't a bottle of water, it was a box of water. We're talking, uh, talking about like coconut, 100% pure water from heaven water. I'm just sipping on this bad boy, and if it couldn't get any better, the trainer offered me a donut. This is the gym, what are they supposed to be offering you? Broccoli, carrots, now, I'm not going to share who her name was, but trainer Jen offered me a donut at the gym. And my biggest regret today is I did not say yes. Here's the point. And by the way, it's, it's broken, fractured, all of that kind of stuff, but I'm doing better. In that moment, I realized that I was incapable of doing anything on my own. I was 100% reliant on everybody else in my life. Friends, that's the reality of sin. There is nothing you can do in and of yourself to deal with the sin in your life. It comes from an outside source and his name is Jesus Christ. And when we understand that, boy, here's what happens. We begin to get joyful. And in fact, this is what it says in this passage. It says, for out of a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overwhelmed in a wealth of generosity. Don't miss this. Here's a group of people that were extremely poor. Romans had come in, uh, taken a lot of their stuff. It was the former area where um, Alexander the Great used to live. They had next to nothing, but they had joy in their life. Why? Joy is an inner work. If you are looking for joy based upon your circumstances, your situations, your stuff, you will be like a ping pong ball bouncing back and forth you will find yourself constantly miserable. But when your joy comes from Jesus, it doesn't matter how much or how little you have. 
because Jesus never changes. And here's a group of people. They had joy. They had extreme poverty. And yet what did it do? It overwhelmed in a wealth of generosity. And here's what we often think about. We often think about generosity in the terms of an amount. But boy, for me to be generous, it means I got to give a lot. Friends, generosity has nothing to do with the amount. It's all about the heart. And if you get one thing this series, get the point that generosity, it's all about the heart. How do we know this? Well, we'll notice what it says in Luke chapter 21. Luke chapter 21, it said Jesus looked up and he saw the rich putting in their gifts into the offering box. And he saw a poor widow put in two small copper coins. And he said, truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them, for they all contributed out of their abundance, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. Generosity is not an amount. It's about the hearts. And it's interesting in this passage, Paul tells nothing about the amount that these people gave. You know, it's, it's interesting because, you know, if we wait for the perfect opportunity and the perfect timing to give, there's never gonna be a, be a perfect time. You know, a lot of times people will say, you know what, I'll wait till, till I finally have enough money and I can start giving. No, if you don't give when you have a little, you're not gonna give when you have a lot. Did you catch that? If you don't give when you have a little, you will not give when you have a lot. Parents, do not miss this. I think one of the greatest things you can do at a very young age is give your kids an allowance even if it's $1, and teach them that first 10% goes to the Lord. Because if they can't give when they've got a dollar, they're not gonna be able to give when they have $100,000. It's not about the amount, it is all about the heart. And that, you know, I appreciate my parents did that for me. Growing up, I had an allowance, but they taught me, hey, Jeremy, the first portion, the first 10%, you're gonna give to God. If you wanna give more than that, you can. Um, but I love this because this passage says that they counted it a privilege. They, they, they begged. They wanted to be a part of it. They're like, hey, let, let us be a part of what God's doing to these churches in Jerusalem. These churches in Jerusalem, they're, they're growing. There's financial need. Let us be a part. We want to do it. You know, it's interesting. Last weekend at the end of the message, um, gave a call to, to generosity. But I also said, hey, if there's anybody here that's struggling financially and you don't know where your next meal is going to come from. You can't feed your kids. You go see James and we'll see what we can do to help you out. Now we had a few people that went and saw James for some help. We had even more that went to James because they said, Hey, I want, I want to give to those that are in need. They begged to be a part of what God is doing. First point though, is that a generous heart begins with a full understanding of the grace of God. Point number two is simply this. A generous heart flows from you by fully giving yourself to Jesus and his will for your life. Don't miss that. It flows from you fully giving yourself to Jesus and his will for your life. And I love this because this is what the passage says in verse five. Verse five puts it this way. It says, and this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. 
You want to be generous? First thing you got to do is fully give yourself to the Lord. Now, here's what a lot of people that call themselves Christians, that what they do. When there's a line in the sand and Jesus calls us to give ourselves fully to him, they straddle the fence and they'll say, Jesus, I, I want to give part of myself to you, not, but not all of myself to you. Oh, I want to give you some of my time, but not all of my time. I want to give you some of my sexuality, but not all of my sexuality. I want to give you some money, but not all control of money. And yet when we give ourselves to Jesus Christ, the line is in the sand. We give ourselves fully to Jesus Christ, which means he gets everything, which means he gets, he gets your car. He gets, he gets your phone. He gets, he gets your wallets. What's inside the wallet? Got a little bit of cash. He gets the cash. He gets the credit card. He gets my identity. He it's in Christ. Probably should get a new picture next time, but that's another story. He gets everything. He gets everything. That's what these believers did that were poor. It wasn't a problem to be generous because it wasn't about how much money they had because they gave themselves first and foremost, fully to the Lord. You know, if you struggle with the fact that God owns everything and he gave you everything, you will always struggle to be generous. I was talking to a lady, one of our senior uh, ladies earlier this week, and she was asking when a, the outside, one of the classrooms was going to be all done because she was having a bunch of ladies from the Bible study at her house instead of being able to meet here at the church. I said, you know what? I don't know. Look into it for you. I said, thank you so much for letting all these ladies come to your house. And she said, right away, it's not my house. It's the Lord's house. It's a proper understanding. Now, let me demonstrate it um, this way. Um, does anybody have a, a $10 bill or a $20, $20 bill I could use just for a moment? $10 bill, $20 bill, whatever it is. $10 bill right here. Thank you so much. Travis, appreciate it. Is anybody right now going through a difficult time and you just need just a meal that would bless you today? Anybody, just raise your hand. You're here today and you're just like, any, anybody? Somebody over there, raise your hand. Right there. Here you go. Now, why can I easily give this away? Because it's not mine. There you go. Thank you. Give her a round of applause. Travis, thank you so much for your generosity. Ugh. 47, still going strong. Here we go. Let's try that again with a $100 bill. Does anybody? No, I'm just messing with you. Don't, don't miss the point. It is so much easier to give something away when you realize it's not yours. I didn't bat an eye, it wasn't mine. By the way, I'll give you 10 bucks back after the service. Last service, I asked the same question. So somebody didn't have a $10 bill or a $20 bill, they had a $50 bill. Brought it forward. Asked, is anybody here in need? A lady raised her hand. When brought it to her and uh, she said, thank you. And then I said, does anybody else have a hundred dollar bill? Somebody else came up with a hundred dollar bill. The other guy gave me another $50 bill. Went and gave another guy $150 because he was in need. Here's the moral of the story. You need to go to the 830 service instead of the 10 o'clock though, right? <laughs> the lady that got the $50 bill came up to me in tears after the service. She said, Jeremy, can I talk to you? This is my first time here at Shelter Cove. First time. She said, you know, I've been dealing with carpal tunnel syndrome in my, my left hand. 
and it got gangrene and all of my fingers had to get cut off. She said, I'm going through just such a horrific time and you have no idea how much that meant to me today. And I said, well, that wasn't scripted. I can't take credit for it, that was God. I took time and I was praying for her right up here while I was praying for her. Somebody else came up behind her, said amen. Somebody else slipped her a $20 bill. Church, that's the church being the church. That's the church recognizing that, hey, what, what, we, don't ha- what we have isn't ours. It belongs to the Lord because I've fully given myself to God, but not just that, I've been giving it to his will. God, whatever you want is what I want. Where you lead me, I will follow. What you want me to give, I'm gonna give. And when we don't give ourselves fully to God, we will always struggle with generosity. In fact, let me just take that a step further. Like you can set yourself up for frustration in marriage if you don't fully give yourself to God because how are you gonna give yourself fully to your spouse who's imperfect if you don't give yourself fully to a God who is perfect? Point two flows from you fully giving yourself to Jesus and his will. Point number three is simply this. Generous heart demonstrates growth and authentic love. Growth and authentic love. And this is, this is what he says. Sorry, let me X that out. Demonstrates growth and authentic love. This is what he says uh, in verse seven. He says, but as you excel in everything, in faith and speech and knowledge and all earnestness and in your love for you, see that you also excel in this act of grace. I love this because he calls generosity an act of grace. Here, here you've got the Corinthian believers and the historical context is that they, they had a lot going on. They, they were a port, a lot of money going in and out. They would pray, they would read their scriptures, they had faith, they had knowledge, they understood the word, but they didn't see giving and possessions as a means to ultimately worship Jesus. And here Paul's saying, hey, it's great. You're excelling in every single area of your life, but there's, there's an area where you need to grow. There's an area where you need to excel, and it's this act of grace called generosity. See, again, God doesn't want just part of our hearts. He wants all of our hearts. That's why we've got five core values here. We've got God's word. We've got prayer. We've got serving. We've got community, and we've got generosity. We believe that when we commit to those five areas, we will be healthy, and healthy people grow. But, but, but here he's saying this, this act of grace. And then he goes on and says, I say this not as a command, but to prove by the earnestness of others that your love also is genuine. Again, he's, not say, he's saying, I'm not saying you have to, but I'm just saying, if your love is real, you will. Why? Because you can give without loving, but you cannot love without giving. We see that from Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave. His motivation for giving was love. I love what it says in 1 John chapter 3, 17. Puts it this way. He says, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need, but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? In other words, love always does something. James chapter 2 puts it this way. James says, what good is it, my brother, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also 
faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Why? Because real faith always does something. What's he saying? He's saying very clearly, uh, generosity demonstrates growth and authentic love. Now, Now, here's my heart for everybody that calls Shelter Cove their home. My heart is that every single one of us would be a part of what God's doing here in our generosity. We're talking a little bit, little bit about that later, whether it's a little bit or whether it's a lot, every single one of us would demonstrate our love for the Lord through generosity. And here's what happens when you're generous. When you are generous on a monthly basis, we support 21 different local and global missionaries or mission organizations. And we've got Modesto Pregnancy Center, Uh, here in town. Modesto Gospel Mission. We've got missionaries in Africa. We've got missionaries in Mexico. We've got missionaries all over the world. When you give, we are supporting their work. I think about uh, our Christmas light show. You know how many people have come here to Shelter Cove because of the Christmas light show? We want to be a blessing to our community. And there's something about that that just grabs a hold of people's hearts. You know, when COVID was going on, it was because of your generosity that we got to bless teachers with baskets. We got to bless nurses with lunches and pizza and meals. Uh, We've got a law enforcement fund for law enforcement officers who them or their families get hurt, or we just want to bless them uh, because we want to be a light to our law enforcement uh, community. You know, during COVID, what we did through your generosity is we identified a hospice house where there was the greatest loss of life. And I don't know if it was 30, 40 people in this certain hospice house that passed away, but your generosity allowed us to provide movie tickets and a meal ticket for all of the workers to go and just have a little bit of respite. Why? Because your generosity is a reflection of your love. Your generosity is real. I can go on and on about there. What's the greatest cause? The greatest cause is the gospel of Jesus Christ to give to God knowing that you may not even see the impact of your finances. You know, this building right here, people 20 years ago, 19 years ago, 18 years ago gave so that you could sit and you could worship and you could serve one another. And many of these people are no longer alive, but they gave to a future reality that they would not experience. Friends, that's generosity. When you give to something and you may not even see it, complete it. And I think there's a lot of times people say, you know what? Um, I just can't give because I don't have enough money. The story of the Macedonian believers blows that out of the water. It's not about having enough money. It's having a big enough heart. Or some people will say, you know what? They'll make up all these kind of excuses. Say, you know what? I, I, just, I just don't want to give. I, I don't like the way church spends money. I don't like this, that, that. When really, they've never dealt with the reality that, hey, I've got a, I've got a heart that doesn't really trust Jesus. You know, I've got greed in my life. Man, I love money. I love stuff. And I pray that you would be honest enough to deal with that so that you can demonstrate generosity in a way that allows you to grow and comes from authentic love. But the fourth point in your notes is simply this. A generous heart does what? It leads to following the greatest act of grace. It's the greatest act of grace. It's Jesus Christ. And this is what it says in verse nine. Verse nine puts it this way. It says, for you know, we see this word again, 
the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. When we're generous, it leads to following the greatest act of grace. Now, how do we do this? A couple hard issues. First of all, 1 Corinthians 16, 2 uh, puts it this way. Puts it this way. On the first day of every week, each of you is to put something aside and store it up as he may prosper so that there will be no collecting when I come. Paul's telling this church, hey, as you prosper, put it aside. He's not talking about equal giving. He's talking about equal sacrifice. It's amazing what happens when a group of Christians say, God, I want to give you the first and I want to give you the best. You, you put it to the side. It's a priority. It's putting God first. Notice what he says in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. He says, each one must give as he has decided in his heart, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. How much does God want you to give as he's decided in his heart? That's the summary of the series. It's not a money issue. It's not a possession issue. It's a heart issue. When's the last time you've asked God, God, you've given me everything, you've blessed me. What do you want me to give to you? What, what do you want? It says nothing about the amount. It's all about the heart. Well, how do we live this out? Let's get super practical just for a moment. I believe all of us have a step to take on the journey of generosity. And here's the journey. And we know the hardest part about starting a journey is the first step. And that's why we've got this thing at our church called Join the Journey. You can scan the QR code right there. What is it? It's giving to God through Shelter Cove a specific amount every week, every month, every other week, whatever's best for you. How much do you give? You pray, you ask God, and you decide in your heart. Maybe it's a percentage. Maybe you start with 5%, 3%. I don't know. Maybe it's $100 a week, $200 a month. It's all about the heart. And it's automated. Why do you do that? Because you do that with other things that are important. Sometimes the issue is not faithfulness, it's forgetfulness. And you do this with your house, you do this with your cell phone, you do this with your gym membership, so that when you slam your thumb in the car door, people will be there for you. The first part is you join the journey. And then for some of us, we're already there and you think, okay, what's, what's my next step? God, how do you want me to grow in this area of generosity like every single other area of my life? And then maybe it's a tithe. And I mentioned last week, the tithe is the one area where God said, test me. Test me and see if I don't blow open your barn doors and bless you with more than you already have. I've never met somebody that is committed to a tithe and said it doesn't work. That doesn't mean you're gonna get a bunch more money. But sometimes it does. It does mean that you're blessed. Blessed in ways that money can't even provide. 
Some of you, you've been given a tithe for years, which is great. But maybe you've gotten just into a rut where you just give 10% and it's more of a bill than an offering. Say, God, I just, I just want to be generous. I just want to bless you. What does that look like? And for others of you, there's a legacy gift. Maybe you've got a bunch of money in retirement. Maybe you've got a bunch of money that's available and you say, you know what? I, I want to give to the future expansion of God's kingdom, not mine. And I want our church to continue to reach and raise authentic followers of Jesus. Every single one of us have a next step. What is it for you today? Now, a couple tools to help you out. Number one, we've got estate planning. On May 11th, mark your calendar for that. That's where you can come and you can get some help with a, a will, a living trust. Here's what I wanna really focus on. Financial Peace University. Tomorrow night is information night right here at the church. If you want help putting God first, creating a budget, getting out of debt, being free in the area of finances. Just show up tomorrow night. If you're thinking, boy, I, I wanna take the class at $79. I, I don't know if I can swing that right now. Just show up tomorrow night and we'll see if we can help you in some way so that you can get through this class. If you're like, man, I don't have babysitters tomorrow night. Just bring your kids. We'll just throw them all around the room and make sure they have fun, all right? Bring your kids, bring your grandkids. This is a life changing class. But remember this, it's all about the heart. What do you give to a God that already has everything? I mean, the streets in heaven are paved with gold. He doesn't need your money. He doesn't even need you. He wants you. He desires a relationship with you. So what do you give him? You give him yourself. You give him you. Because if he has you, he has everything. And maybe you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with the Lord. We're talking about generosity. But you're like, man, I, I haven't fully surrendered myself to Jesus. I'm not walking in his grace. I'm not walking in his forgiveness. I'm not walking in the life that Jesus wants me to. Boy, if that's you today, I wanna to encourage you to repent from your sin, give your life to Jesus Christ. You can talk to me after the service, one of our team members. That would be the first step. And then after that, what's the step that God wants you to take today? Heavenly Father, thank you for the beautiful reminder that it is all about the heart. And really, God, it's a reflection of your heart that you would, motivated by love, send your only son, Jesus, to die on the cross in our place for our sins so that we can have life. God, for those that are here today, for those in the loft, for those watching online, for those that have not yet received Jesus Christ, your only son is their savior. I pray that right now there would be open hearts receptive hearts where we want to receive this gift of grace, your undeserved favor. 
Because that and that alone transforms us from the inside out. God, as we give, we just want to honor you. We want to show you that we love you, that we trust you. Have your way in our lives today. It's in Jesus' precious and holy name we pray. Amen and amen. Hey, if we can pray for you in any way, talk to one of our team members. If you want to talk about a relationship with Jesus Christ, talk to one of our team members. God bless you guys. Thanks for being here. And we will see you next weekend.